As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul. He is Paul Tenorio, and I am fired up right now, and I don't really know why, but I am fired up. Paul, do we have a sponsor tonight? I don't even know. We're sponsored by uh, the Republic Ad Agency. It's an ad agency that I used to work for once upon a time for all of your branding and rebranding and re-rebranding needs. Um, call them up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that later in the show. Paul, how are you? Sorry, I came out like a, like a cannon right there. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I was talking to you before we hit record, so I know why you're fired up. I know that <laughs> you're fired up, and uh, I'm doing okay. I'm tired. I'm taking small sips of a nice bourbon, and I'm going to try to match your energy. I think it's going to be tough, to be honest. I'm, I'm a little uh, worried. I'll peter out concerned. quickly. Don't I will peter out quickly. Don't you worry. Um, for those listening at home, Paul just started that bourbon, so if you hear him slurring his speech, it's because he's very, very tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I woke uh, he sort up this of did morning to start you. working at uh, at 5 a.m. and uh, I'm still going, and it's 8 p.m. So here we go. Ugh, it's 9 p.m. on the East Coast, Paul. So Either you know, way. you can call it 9 p.m. No one would know the difference. No one. Would this know. isn't a live show <laughs> yet. The point is, <laughs> anyway, would the sooner we're done with this, the sooner I get to bed, Sam. So on that true. note, are so, you guys so all let's fired move up? It along. <laughs> <laughs> We have a lot to get to this show. Uh, last week, we obviously hung out with, with our man, Felipe, talked about his Atlanta story and the Columbus situation, which there is an update to, as I'm sure those of you listening know. Uh, we'll get to that one later in the show. But we neglected last week the MLSPA salary dump. The data, the stuff that we make a lot of our judgments of, of rosters off of, um, we didn't get it in 2020. 
because of the pandemic, I guess. I don't know. That that was weird, that whole reasoning. Um, but we didn't get it in 2020. We do have it now for 2021. So all of the info for what MLS players make and how much different teams spend on salary is out there in the world. This is, you know, this is bread and butter for allocation disorder. This is this is Dunkaroos dipped in chocolate. You know, this is our thing. And so we're going to spend a lot of time on it. We're going to break it down. Um, Paul, we wrote an article on it last week. We're going to dive into the nitty gritty of of best, worst for players, for rosters. Um, But any broad kind of takes from you on, on the info that was released? Well, I think there's just kind of the obvious things that exist every year during salary dump day, which is MLS hasn't changed that much. They've made some progress in spending on, obviously, in the last five years on the TAM level of player, right? Four through eight or nine, have the, the, the investment there has gone up. But these are still very unbalanced rosters. And that's to be expected, right? Because you can spend unlimited amount of money on the top three spots. And so, obviously, those spots are going to take up a disproportionate amount of your budget spend. But every time I see that, it just reminds me that there's still a long way to go to be able to build the kind of balanced rosters that I think will be competitive every year at a high level with Liga Mekis, where they have seven, eight, nine guys making a million or more. And we're getting closer to that, right? We're getting a little bit closer with yeah. young money. Um, I just hope to I mean, shoot, dude. Cincinnati has six guys over a million dollars. So, you know, what more do you want, really? It's a great point. I mean, that's the closest MLS has gotten to Liga Mekis, Cincinnati. <laughs> that's roster. right. <laughs> FC Cincinnati. Well, do Just you have best. anything that really stood out this year different from, from past years for you? Uh, not a ton. Uh, spending was a, it's a little bit down at the top compared to previous years. Um, although that's slightly misleading because Jefferson Soteldo, designated player for Toronto FC, was not accounted for in these numbers. Um, so that'll probably put Toronto, I would guess, around $20 million. They're currently at 17 in these numbers, and that'll make them the highest spender on salary in the entire league, and that would be about in line with what we saw in 2019. Um, but teams didn't really go out and do a lot of DP spending this winter, right? And so I think that's probably to be expected. Um, you know, I think it's important for us because we often take this super zoomed-in view of this stuff that we can kind of lose like the general big picture progress sometimes. Um, and you know, I'm looking at it and the 16th team in the league is spending over $11 million on salaries. And and that's a lot. That's a big change from what MLS was five years ago. Um, so it's cool to see the progress on that front. Um, that being said, everything you said, I agree with, you know, there's not a lot, the the curves aren't really that smooth in terms of, in terms of how these teams are spending over the entire breadth of their rosters. Um, and I think, you know, you see that on the field where you have two or three players that can change a game in any given moment. And then, you know, some other guys that do a nice job. And then the bottom part of the roster is often significantly weaker. Yeah. So, you know, you know, what? You I will say what stands out to me is, I think it's harder now to have a balanced roster unless you have a good academy. Define balance. Um, Where you have a good, solid top-end players, contributors. You need your DPs to be contributors. Um, But then 
you know, I look at like the Bruce Arena, typical Bruce Arena roster where it's got guys, you know, throughout that are making 200, 300,000 who are legitimate contributors, but are bottom of the roster guys, bottom of the senior roster guys, and even a few supplemental roster guys who are, who are contributors. Even if you go to this year's, um, this year's New England side, you've got guys like Matt Polster on 300,000 and, you know, Scott Caldwell, 200,000, Emma Boateng, 200,000, you know, Brandon by 170. These are typical Bruce Arena teams. We haven't even gotten to the very bottom, right? With Tejon Buchanan, 110, Henry Kessler, 95, Dewan Jones, Jones. 95. It's a lot harder for Bruce Arena to do this type of roster without a strong academy. He's doing it right now, right? He hit on some draft picks, and that's really big. But and 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 credit again to Minnesota. Like if you don't have an academy, you got to do what New England and Minnesota have done, which is hit on your draft picks. Um, but right. I think it just shows that the way that the the cap structure is set up, the two things that you get a rewarded for most in this league is hitting your DPS and having homegrown players who contribute at a very high level, and that's where the investment needs to be. I think going forward is is just really hammering your youth development. Yeah, well, it's harder to fill out that domestic depth than it was 10 years ago because there are way more teams now. Everyone's competing for those guys. It's difficult to find them, right? They're, they're spread way more thin across the entire league than when, when there were 18 teams or 16 as opposed to 27 like there are now. So I think that's natural. And the guys that are coming from abroad are largely largely a little bit more expensive. This will be a theme for both of us, I think, today when we go through our best and worst rosters. But yes, they're spread more thin. But the value of good veteran MLS players, and I'm not saying American players or domestic players, MLS experienced players is still Mm -hmm. a really important part of success in MLS. The, yeah. To know the travel, to know the stadiums you're playing in, to know the opponents, what to expect, all of those things, just like in any other domestic league, hold a high value. And I think you'll see... It's an advantage. Yeah, I think you'll see in some of these bad rosters that they lack that type of leadership. They lack those types of players. And like, I, I mean, a name that comes to my mind that's a good example of this and a coach who put a premium on it right away is Victor Vasquez in, in LA with the Galaxy. Good player, manageable number, a lot of MLS knowledge, understanding of the system that that Greg Vanny plays, and he, he he's not an American, he's not a domestic guy, but he bring he checks all those boxes. Um, Victor so, Vasquez, as I like yeah, to call him, I I think that that's a you know, an undervalued <laughs> type of player in this league by some teams. It's it's very valued by others. Yeah, and I think those guys make a lot of difference when push comes to shove. You mentioned bad rosters. Let's just get right into the meat of it. Worst rosters for the money. To me, there are two. Far and away. Head and shoulders. Champion of this thing that you definitely do not want to be champion of. And they are both Midwestern teams. And they both start with a C. And they are not Columbus. They are FC Cincinnati and the Chicago Fire. The spend is is high with both of these clubs. Cincinnati is spending fifteen point five million in salary, and that's not including Jeff Cameron, who I'm guessing isn't making the minimum. Um, and Chicago is spending thirteen point six. Uh, those numbers don't include transfer fees, which neither team. Well, I guess Chicago hasn't paid a ton of those, but Cincinnati Chicago certainly hasn't spent some money on fees. 
They, they did. Cincinnati certainly hasn't been shy in that department. That's for damn sure. Um, Cincinnati is fifth in the league in salary, uh, and Chicago is, is seventh. Um, in between them is LAFC, Paul. Um, so <laughs> just to kind of give you a picture of where those, where those two lie. Um, we've talked a lot about these teams on this show, but we're going to talk more about them because this is, this is a joke. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where to start. So I'm just going to start with Cincinnati because I have them in front of me on the spreadsheet. Um, Sam and I went through every single player in MLS and we highlighted with red the players that we thought were bad contracts. There are four on the Cincinnati <laughs> roster. There are six out of the top eight players on the Chicago roster that we highlighted in red. So off the bat, you see where the big mistakes have been made. And that's in the big money signings, right? We haven't, we didn't even highlight Brenner as a red and he very well could be. We didn't I mean, even, that's, we, a, that's a little bit unfair, know. Paul. We don't know. Like, I'm just saying we didn't even, we, it's not even, he could be a great signing. Right? Yeah, he could he could. We didn't highlight Lucho Acosta, who came with a, a multi-million dollar transfer fee and a two million dollar plus salary. And you know, to be fair to him, looks looks pretty good so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just I'm just you know people can't see our spreadsheet here. So when we say four of the top eight in Cincinnati, you know we're not hammering you for the the two DPS that you were signing this offseason, right? We're looking at you yeah. know. Jurgen Lacadia, number one, who's he's very quick to highlight red. Yuya Kubo, Alan Cruz, Harris Madunianin, salaries that just don't make sense at the top of the roster. I would, I would put again, Ma- I would put Moderita in this group, by the way. And it, yeah. this is this isn't to say that these guys are bad players, right? Like Moderita, not a bad player, like not at all. I don't think Yuya Kubo is a bad player or Alan Cruz. Yuya Kubo's been played way out of position. I think Alan Cruz is a decent player. They make a lot more money than what their comparable guys across MLS make, and that's not a good thing in a cap league. <laughs> And then if you go down the roster here to what we were just talking about. So if we start at the top of the roster, Lucho Acosta has MLS experience. So you did get a little bit of that with that signing. But as you go further down and, and Matarita as well, you know, I think they, they went and tried to get a little bit of that in the, in this offseason signings. But as you go down, the next impact, quote unquote, impact guy that had that type of experience, you're getting down to Nick Hagland, right? Who's on a, a, a very friendly 184,000, let's let's forget about the allocation money you sent out, shipped out for him. Um, it was a long time ago. It was, it was long enough ago <laughs> that we'll forgive it. But, you know, that's really the only guy, right, who's got that type of experience that we're talking about on this roster. And it shows. You've got some y- younger guys who have kind of been trying to break in with Cincinnati who didn't quite make it with their club teams. Um, you know, you've got guys who have been very much on the fringe, never really contributors um, and, and so I, that's where I see this balance going wrong. And it's the same for me, man. Same thing in Chicago. I mean, they have, I think, two Americans on their senior roster. Right. They've is got, that right? They've got, I'm looking right now at the team. I mean, Cren- Kenneth Cronin Cal- is American. Calvo, Calvo's, Calvo's an experienced MLS guy. Calvo's an experienced MLS guy. So is, so is Kapelhoff. And Kapelhoff. Right. And then you get, I mean, you can, you can call Bornstein one as well, but I mean, that's also American Bornstein. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's just like, if you look at what they've done in the last two windows, all of the additions have been international guys. Uh, and then the, yeah. you know, some of the, some of these signings that they have that are the experienced guys. I mean, Calvo's on $900,000. Okay. That's a terrible contract. <laughs> Even Kapelhoff. They won. picked, they picked up, they picked up his option this winter, Paul. 
Yeah, Johan Kapolak like, got a new deal for four hundred ninety thousand dollars a year, and like that one, like I mean, that's a lot less I'm a criminal Kapolak to me than the, than of, the yes, it's definitely less criminal than than Calvo because Calvo, you picked up his option. Uh, like, what if you decline it and offer him five hundred? Where else is he going to make that? You think anywhere? I don't think so. No, and if it's make an, him turn if, you if, down. If another MLS team picks it up, then you get some compensation, right? You make a trade. And sure. Everyone wins. Say more, pa- you know? and then and then you can sign another center back who's maybe a little bit better. You know, like it, it's just I I don't understand anything that's going on really with the fire Barrich. You know, he makes two point seven million. He scored a lot of goals last year, right? So good for him. Gaston Jimenez, second highest played, two point four million. These are some of the highest paid players in the entire league. Those two, Gaston Jimenez, he's a nice technical player. He's good with the ball at his feet, all that stuff. He doesn't fit in the midfield unless he's got a real destroyer next to him. Guess what the fire don't have? A real destroyer next to him. He's meant to be the six. He's light defensively, and the guys around him are light defensively too. So it doesn't work. And when you're signing a a person in that position, right? DP spots usually go to attackers. When you're signing a DP who's like a six or an eight, like Jimenez is, he needs, you can't be concerned about him. You can't be, oh, we need to provide cover for this guy. He needs to be the cover, and he needs to be the one that gets on the ball and progresses it. He can do the latter. He can't do the former, and you're spending $2.4 million on it. And, I mean, it's just... $400,000 There was a transfer fee than, there too, right? Yeah, a, a substantial one, as I recall. And and he makes $400,000 more than uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, right? As an example of a, of a player in a similar position who impacts <laughs> the game, I think... You know, Jonathan Dos Santos for two million, we had as a green highlighted as a good contract, right? A pretty good DP deal. Um, and again, Alvaro, Alvaro Madron on one million dollars, Calvo nine hundred thousand, Alaseda eight hundred and twenty-one thousand, Boris Sekulich six hundred and forty-four thousand to play right back. I mean, you know, these are below average guys at their position, making way above average money for their position. Yeah, it was easy. In other words, it was easy to highlight these two as the as the worst contracts, the worst sorry, worst rosters in MLS, right, Sam? I mean, I don't think either of us hesitated to to kind of pick the two worst for the money. I mean, did you even mention Kronholm, <laughs> one of the higher paid goalkeepers in the league, and, and uh, he's injured, so I, you know. And let's take a look. What it let's is, take a look but... too at the kind of balance of this roster. To be fair to George, Heisen, what balance the that came in? Sorry. On, on where these signings came from. Calvo <laughs> was before Heights' time, though he did pick up the, the option. No, like, Madron was these before Heights' time. Yeah. Uh, Kronholm was before Heights' time. A and, lot of them were. Eh, but I mean, that's three. They, three of the... They, inher- they inherited a mess. And they inherited a brutal timeline. Just like Nykamp in Cincinnati. He inherited a mess, too. Right? But I think it's fair to say in both of these cases that neither regime nor neither coaching staff has cleaned up that mess at all. And you could argue they made it worse. Right? And and we talk about it all the time. We're beating a dead horse at this point. But MLS experience matters in technical staffs. If you don't have it, there's going to be a learning curve. And that learning curve can result in you digging yourself into a deeper hole. And some quick lessons from both of these rosters that stand out to me about that learning curve. One, you cannot rush into DP signings. You have to hit on those signings. I do understand why they did what they did in terms of the timeline. I do and I don't. I get it and I don't. Like, 
Because they were moving into Soldier Field. This yeah, is pre-COVID. They wanted to make a, a buzz. You're digging a hole. And like, I know, you rush I know. these signings, you don't realize it's not like Europe. If these guys don't produce, you can't just stash them on a bench and 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 sign a better player, right? You don't have the budget to do that. You don't have the DP slots to do it. You're stuck. Luckily, I would say luckily, not luckily, I mean, potentially planned out here, you know, Barrich and Jimenez are on two-year deals. So it's not like these are three- and four-year DP contracts that the Fire A lot of Fire players are on two-year deals. I think they only have like six or seven guys guaranteed for next year at so, this point. Yeah, it gives them some wiggle room to get out of some really bad contracts, which I think but is But that's, is, is that's a blessing and a curse, though, Paul. Correct. It gives them flexibility, but what do you do? They had they had plenty of blank canvas to work with when Heights and, and Vicky came in, and look what happened. But now so you're time. betting you're betting that they've learned yeah, and that they know better now. Correct. And, and now they have a lot more lead time to plan, right? So hopefully, for Fire fans' sake and for those guys' sake, they have learned and they're able to execute a lot better. Cincinnati, we haven't seen that growth, right? So. Well, we'll see, man. Like, I'm not really optimistic about either of those clubs. I think they're, I mean, they're probably the two worst teams in the league right now, right? And and they're spending the fifth and seventh most, most money on salaries. And if you included transfer fees, Cincinnati would definitely rise in terms of total spend, I think. And fire, well, I don't think they would fall. They might not rise, but I think they would stay about where they're at. So, uh, not good enough. Anyone else stick out to you in this way? Um, you know, not I mean, getting good value for what they're spending. We have to mention Inter Miami. You know, they're the second highest wage bill one factor in Toronto. <laughs> we FC. do. They to, the fact that we haven't mentioned Inter Miami as like getting poor production for the money. I mean, Iguain. I was talking with somebody about Iguain last night. Like, which well, you got to be clear which Iguain because one of them is the is one of the best contracts in the league. Yeah, that's right. Gonzalo Iguain is so unfit. He's such a baller, right? Like when he gets he's on the so ball, good, man. he does yeah. so many amazing you, his 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 footballing ideas are awesome. But he is so unfit and he is so not worth how much they're paying him. And you know, Pizarro's 5. on the 8 bench. Million, by the way. Yeah, Pizarro's on the bench right now, so he's he's a DP yeah. who's not playing. Um, he's he's not as good as Pipa Higuaín. The other Pipa all the Higuaíns are named Pipa for some reason. It's very confusing. <laughs> It's not as good as Federico Higuain has been this year. And Federico is on the minimum, I believe. So maybe Gonzalo can write some checks to Federico. Even that balance out. Yeah. And then you get, obviously, to Pellegrini, who's who's getting moved, and uh, and Carranza, who hasn't done anything. It's it's a bad roster as well. They've got to get out of those contracts. You know, I don't know how long they're going to have with <laughs> you say it's a bad. You say it's a bad roster. They have talent on that roster. And it's not just in the attack like it is in Cincinnati. They have good players, man. Like yeah, they've got some good players. I'm looking at their con- their contracts right now. I'm looking at their roster right now. I mean, like, okay, let's say you're the Seattle Sounders. Who are you calling Miami about to trade for? LGP? No. Figal. The Sounders aren't. Well, the Sounders don't need to trade for anyone. Maybe Lewis Morgan. You know, yeah. that's about it. So I. You know, but okay. I mean, to be fair, you Galaxy. did just pick out that you did pick out the best team in the league so far. Yeah. They don't really have a lot of holes. Well, I'm saying, like, <laughs> let's take a good team. Who are you call? Who are you calling Miami about? If you're saying, okay, Miami's in cap trouble, they're going to need to make some trades. I'm gonna. I, they've got some good quality players, like you just said. Okay, who are you calling about? Yeah, I mean, I think Leandro Gonzalez Perez would be a, a good option at center back for a decent number of teams. Uh, Gregory, 
I think has gotten off to a decent start. Um, he's been a little up and down. Lewis Morgan, for sure. Uh, Leardom, depending on the situation. Um, I think he's a solid option. Uh, you know, we're getting further down the roster now. Robbie Robinson, right? I don't think Miami would be trading him, but, but he's one. Um, I mean, I can't believe you would, you would slander him by leaving him, you're, you're leaving him out. He's your boy, Breck Shea. Hey man, um, great value. Breck Shea scored the other day, 135,000. He did. Scored the first goal at TQL Stadium ever. Almost had the second goal. Yeah. If not for Zombie <laughs> I can't believe making I had to a, pause. making a goal line clearance. I, had to, I can't believe I had to pause to wait for you to walk into that one. I, I, I knew that would get you excited. Uh, was that only like three days ago? That feels like a lifetime ago. Goodness. Anyway, what I'm saying is that they have some good players on the team. Like it's, I don't know. It's not like bereft. Like they have talent. They underperformed last year to that talent. They haven't gotten as much out of it as they should have so far this year. You know? But maybe they'll get there. It's a new coach. I'm not writing it off yet. It's still early days. Yeah. So, Sam, we look at those three those three rosters as being especially bad just because of the level of spend. As you get further down, are there any other teams that, that kind of we're not going to talk about in the, the good rosters uh, category, but maybe stand out to you as before we before we take a break and go into the good side of things? That are, is there anyone else we have to castigate? Is there anyone else we have to smack down? Even if we go down to the low, is anyone we should yell out about their low spending? I feel like there's. I mean, it's hard to them. yell at the low spending teams for being bad. They're spending not much it's money. Not about being you know? bad. I mean, you can yell at them like, "Why are you only spending, you know, eight million dollars, Vancouver?" Or you know, nine point five. <laughs> well, Van- Vancouver's got you know allegedly they have a big name number ten coming in or big money number ten coming in at some point. They've been trying for that one for a while. Uh, Montreal is not great for where they're at. They're eleventh overall in salary ahead of both Seattle and Portland, um, and I don't think they have the eleventh best roster in the league. Do you? Well, I think it's not a good sign that we highlighted in red their top three paid players. <laughs> so uh, that's probably an <laughs> indication of where they and actually no. unfairly probably for one of them to be to be honest. I, I don't even know. I I'm not looking at the in red Bjorn Johnson because he scored. He's he's been scoring goals lately. Yeah, and and they're not off to a bad start either. They're off to a pretty good start, Montreal. So you know, credit to them for for being what they've been so far. I don't know if that's sustainable in terms of teams that need to spend more money. I mean. Colorado Rapids, Stan Kroenke, hello, anybody home? Uh, Houston Dynamo are being sold, so I would expect that their number will go up. I, I think it's understandable why they're not spending that much money, considering they're being sold. Um, RSL, spending more than, what, nine teams? Yeah, I basically think, I without, think these numbers Basically will go without up. an owner? Yeah, I mean these numbers will go up for for Minnesota. I think these aren't these don't show the kind of yeah. two, two two signings. The from new Minnesota guys happen yeah. two bigger signings, so they they've definitely leapfrogged up a few spots. But yeah, I mean but our, I don't know if RSL, RSL we, we shows... gotta save them because I'm gonna talk about them in the good. Maybe we we'll take a break. They, we'll come back. They don't show Bobby Wood, do they? For RSL, no. They don't so show Bobby Wood. that's true. You know they'll go up a little bit too. Um, yeah, that's about it for for me on the bad. I mean, we could talk about the Red Bulls all day. You know, and kind of the egg, the existential questions I have about a team in New York deciding to behave like the smallest market team in MLS. Uh, they do a good job with it on the whole. That doesn't mean 
that's how they should necessarily behave, but that's how they're going to do it. So it is what it is at this point. Are you talking about um, the future second best team in Major League Soccer at the end of the season? <sighs> yeah, that that prediction took a dent when Aaron Long went down over the weekend, unfortunately. But um, hey, they don't look bad, man. They're they're figuring it out. They're getting better as they go. So anyway, we've spent I don't know this this got derailed. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna talk about some of the best rosters for the money in MLS. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to michelobultra.com/courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we are back on allocation disorder. We just spent like 15 minutes crapping on people. It wasn't very nice, Paul. We got to be nicer. You know, it's 2021. Everyone's had a hard go the last year and a half. Let's let's put some positive vibes into the universe. What do you think? I think that's you a on board? great idea. I think that's a great idea. All right. Positive vibes from here on out. Maybe with a few not so positive vibes, but positive vibes for the here and now. Um, best rosters for the money in MLS. What you got? Well, we got to start with the Philadelphia Union. They've spent the third lowest amount of money on wages, Salary. Uh, which is which is crazy. Nine point three four million dollars. Um, you know, only Austin, uh, an expansion side, and Vancouver are below them. And to be fair to Philly, both Austin and Vancouver have spent more on transfer fees than Philadelphia have. So in some ways, I think Philadelphia is probably the lowest spending team in Major they, League Soccer. They do, have, they do have a new signing coming in from Hungary, whose name I cannot remember for the life of me right now. <laughs> um, but I think he's going to be on a pretty decent contract. So that number will go up. But regardless, they're they're near the bottom for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think they stand out for me as, as one of the better rosters. I, you know, I, they're 12th highest in the league, but Seattle Sounders are the best team in the league. And for what yeah. they for what they've done, you look at that roster, man, and you just go through it and you're just like, wow, great signing. Great number, great number, great number. I mean, I'm scrolling down to their roster right now. I, I, I forget how much green we had on this, but it's going to be a lot of green. They, they do a good job. Forever Two, green. four, six green players on one roster. Definitely the most of any other team in, in the league. So, um, who's, who's your favorite contract on the Sounders? Because I know who mine is. I think my favorite contract on the Sounders is Raul Rui Diaz. $2.1 million per year. <laughs> such good value for a striker of his quality. I mean, it's hard to choose yeah. between him and Lodero at 2.73 million, but I'm going to go with Rudy. But, okay. Good choices for sure. I, I like where your head's at, but I mean, I say it's my favorite. It's also my least favorite because he deserves so much more. It's new who man, 170 defender of the year. What more do you want? Bargain of the century. I mean, right now he is captaining my MLS all budget 11 for 2021. I've got him on the I want, list. He's I want to be new who's agent. I want to be new who's agent. 
get him you a new deal. You basically are. You basically are. You and Mina Kimes are basically Nuhu's agent. <laughs> she probably makes more money than Nuhu. I can, she can bet she definitely that. makes more money than Nuhu. <laughs> um, anyway, maybe her agent can be Nuhu's agent. That would probably go better for everyone than me doing it. So, yeah. Um, no, the Sounders are great. I mean, I want to spend a little more time on Philadelphia, though. Uh, they obviously get a lot of production from their academy, right? That's the narrative around Philly. But this year's roster doesn't have Brendan Aronson. It doesn't have Mark McKenzie, right? Where they're killing it is really, like, it's just all over the place where they're killing it. Jamiro Montero is a really good player. He's on 1.4 million. Alejandro Bedoya, really solid. Still, he's on a million. Casper, the friendly striker, Shabilko, he's on 900,000, right? All of these guys outperform their salary numbers. All of them, right? Andre Blake makes less than Kenneth Kronholm. <laughs> like Kai Wagner, you know, he got a little bit of a raise, so. He's on 520 now. He makes less than Ronald Matarita by 200 grand. He makes less like, he makes less than uh than Boris Sekulich with the fire by over 100,000. I mean, like let's look at their starting center backs. Jakob Glesnes, 450. Where's Jack Elliott at? There he is, a few spots below, 340. Right? That's probably one of the cheaper starting center back tandems in the entire league. They do a pretty nice job. You know, and, and, and it's just like all over the roster. Pick a spot, and, I mean, and they're Bizo doing pretty well. At eighty nine thousand is is an absolute steal, absolute steal. Yeah, he's been fantastic this year for them, and he's a Kai Wagner type of signing, right? He he's he comes in on a really low contract. No one really knows who he is. In this case, they brought him into USL. He didn't spend long there. He got injured. Came and now is broken into the first team and 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 has been I think really good this year when I've watched them very dangerous, um, yeah man I mean just really good contracts up and down and then again you look at kind of where this lo- locker room balance comes from and you start to pull some of these guys who who have been around the league, um, who you know I I think guys like Andre Blake Alejandro Bedoya who who add that kind of you know, locker room presence know-how. that you need. Yeah, the know-how. Um, yeah. Even a guy like Joe Bendick, and he's not, you know, he's not the, the, the happiest person in the locker room, but, you know, he's 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 played <laughs> in big games for Toronto <laughs> FC. What do I, I don't know Joe Bendick's story, so, you know, you're just going to take him out casually like that? Do you want to explain <laughs> yourself? No, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at okay. that. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, that wasn't positive vibes, Paul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a yellow card for you. This is supposed to be a positive segment. Um, all right, all right. So, so, so Philly. We talk about El Sino. Does that make it positive? If I just say El Sino's name, has it has it turned positive again? I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we've got Seattle. We've got Philly. Who else stands out to you is is getting good value for the money? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I I think we'll get in trouble with people if we don't say Portland. I think Portland always is kind of a middle tier spender and always is above a middle tier team. Not right? they're, not always. They're they're more middle tier yeah. this year than they have been in the past. They're usually upper middle tier with Seattle. Yeah, and now both Seattle highest, and Portland, they're never the are firmly spenders. middle. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I like Portland's roster. I think they've done a nice job. Orlando City. I mean, yeah, Orlando I was City about to stands say that. out to me. You know, I mean, they mm-hmm. they've done a really good job, 
And, and Oscar Pereja is a Bruce Arena-like coach. He knows how to put rosters together in this league to win. And you look at you look at some of the signings they have. First of all, they hit on Nani. He's been very good for them, not just in his Dude, production not, on like, the field. He's, he's can exactly I say something? what you want in a DP. Can I say something about Nani? Like, just the tone that he sets there. Like, he doesn't look like he would necessarily be the easiest guy to get along with all of the time. He's demanding. He's exacting. You know, he, he gets mad at you and he gets in your face. But if he likes you, he's got your back. And he sets a standard, man. And that's so important. And I was not really expecting that from him. I wasn't expecting him to come around and loaf. But I wasn't expecting this level of intensity from him either. And I think it's been so crucial for them. From an on-field perspective alone, I'm going to emphasize that. I don't think there's been a big name DP that's had that type of impact since David Villa. He has like those that, like David Villa came to MLS. Zlatan? No, but Zlatan. Sorry, he scored I, not, fifty goals. Again, I'm not talking about production. <laughs> I'm talking about like what you're talking about. Like you said, from like, an on-field perspective. <laughs> yeah, on-field. I mean, like like what you're talking about like, from from a character, like like galvanizing the team, caring, like yes. how. Like yeah. Zlatan did not care. He scored a lot of goals, no. but he yelled at all of his teammates. He made everyone feel crappy. And like, like David Villa lifted his team through his work rate, through his intensity. And I think not the throw, same way. Would you throw Rooney, Rooney in that? Yeah, I think Rooney for a little while had that. I I, I don't know yeah. if it's completely the same, but I think yeah, when he first came, that first half season, like for, for sure, he he was on that level. And, Schweinsteiger, and to be fair to no. No, no, not the first, not the first year, not 2017. The first year, what Schweinsteiger brought was a level of class that he basically was like, we're going to play good soccer because you can just always give me the ball. It wasn't like an intensity thing. It wasn't like a leader. It was just like but that, that can be that can be a calming influence. It was definitely a know? calming influence. And it, it, it changed. I think the biggest impact Schweinsteiger had on that team was it gave he personally Gave confidence to a player who was whose confidence had been completely smashed and eliminated, Brandon Vincent. And by giving Brandon Vincent confidence, he created this situation where that left side of the fire team became very dangerous and dynamic. David Akam was an MVP candidate halfway through that year. And Schwein, I think Schweinsteiger was like pretty much personally responsible for that side of the, the field being I mean, so that's, good. That's a pretty positive impact. Yeah, it was a pretty positive impact. <laughs> but it didn't speak to the very specific thing I'm talking about, Sam. Not understanding. Okay. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Anyways, go through the rest of the roster. I mean look, there are some really there's some good players like at the very top of the roster who are on good deals. Like Pereira is a good player, one point eight million. I have no problem with that number. But when you get to guys like Pedro Gallese at four hundred thousand, two hundred thousand plus El Pupo less than Kenneth Cronholm, right? As an example. <laughs> Poor you know, Kenneth Cronholm. Just absolutely. He didn't deserve this. <laughs> Pato, Catching a lot of Pato's strays only tonight. played one game so far. He got injured. 270,000. I think it's going to end up being a really good... It's a, it's a no-risk well, contract. Let, let's see how many games he plays. <laughs> it's a no-risk contract. Chris Mueller, 137,000. Obviously, yeah. great deal. Daryl DK, 128,000. It's a great Not deal. on the team, Paul. Not on the team. It doesn't matter. They've gotten great production out of him. on that. He was on that number. He was on less last year. Rodrigo Schlegel, I he, look, he he won them a game in goal, man. What, Goalkeeper what of the year, worth every freaking cent, you know. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. And, and and again, you look, you know, you go back up to the top end of the roster. They've hit on all of these guys. They've they've almost all been contributors in some degree, and I I think just credit to their front office, credit to Oscar Pereja, and and putting this team together. 
I agree. You're a big Orlando homer, but I agree. A uh, couple other teams that I'll shout out. New England, they're 15th overall in, in salary spend. I, they're definitely not the 15th best team in MLS. I think they're above that. Your your man, Bruce. Uh, let's see who else we got on here. Colorado. I think, you know, I, I killed them for not spending more, right? But for what they spend, which is just a hair over $10 million a year in salary, uh, 23rd in the league in that. They could get production, man. Like again, talk about a team over overperforming its spot in the uh, in the spending standings. I think Colorado definitely falls into that category, as probably do the Red Bulls. Um, even another team that I crushed for not spending more. So you know, I think I think there are a lot a decent number of good stories kind of towards the bottom. Um, but this is sort of zero sum. The, the more good stories there are at the bottom, the more tough ones there are at the top. But right? then so. but then you say to yourself, like, you look at Colorado, right? Their two highest played players make just barely more than $1 million, right? So they're not real DPs. Who Who even are they? Nomly and, and Kellen Acosta are the two highest paid players in Colorado. Yeah. You know, you look at New York Red Bulls. Klamala is now one of the highest paid players. He, his number's not on this with the Red Bulls, so their number did. Oh, yeah, it is on here. $1.135 million for Klamala. And then Aaron Long is the next highest paid player. So why are we bashing them? Well, they've done a really good job with some of these signings or a decent job, right? Down the roster. They've gotten production out of, out of some right. of these players like Fabio on 400,000 and, you know, that, that <laughs> side of things. But uh, are you sure about that with Fabio? <laughs> why you got to hate on Fabio? Just because he can't finish. It's all right. I think he, I'm a better finisher than Fabio. He's got, is. he's got a finisher next to him now. I, I like Klamala. He had league nice leader, minutes you, you should introduce him as league leader in assists, Fabio, he when is. you want to, when you want to pump him up. I did yeah. put that in the story. Caden Clark on a hundred thousand. Great contract. Kyle Duncan, 93,000. So they're getting the, this production down at the bottom. And, and then you say to yourself with Colorado, with New York, you have, a billionaire owner, you have a corporation who spends a ton of money in in Salzburg and Leipzig, even though they don't quote unquote in one of those one of those teams. Um they yeah, definitely okay. do. But yeah. that's why you're angry because it's like, oh yes, this is a great story. They're a decent team on no money. Imagine if they just went and spent on three DPs, right? You could keep the rest of the roster the same. You could, you could. reclassify these guys. Like that's Wouldn't have to why change it's frustrating. Thing. Yeah, sure is, um, especially in New York, you know. And DPs aren't like you can get star DPs in New York, and no one will go to games. We've seen that happen at Red Bull Arena. We've seen it happen at Yankee Stadium. So I'm not saying it's a solve for relevance or for anything like that. But you know, I mean, this is this is like the a tale as old as time for Red Bull supporters. Uh, the, all those great teams that they had. Right, those three supporter shield winning teams. Can you imagine if you just threw a star attacker, star DP attacker on any of those squads? Maybe they have an MLS Cup by now. You know, uh, they don't, and and you know they're leaning even further into the model now than they did before. Um, so I don't think they're going that route anytime soon. But we'll see. Quick question for you, Sam, and and I'm ask to please your answer on this one. What do you think about LAFC's roster? Have we been too kind to it's it? It's weird. I think so. Why don't they have a striker? I mean, Can you answer me that's, that? That's the, the, you know someone I was talking to again last night was like, "Are you kidding me? That LAFC is playing Danny Mosovsky at, at, at the number nine? Like there has to be." It's a, like a better. It's like they. That. It's like they went through everything in 2019 and won every game and scored a billion goals and we're like, you know what? 
let's tie a hand behind our back. This was too easy, right? And we're just like, you know, we're going to run out like Velo Rossi Rodriguez as a front three. See how it goes. And it turns out none of those guys are center forwards. And Rodriguez didn't do so hot. And now he might be leaving. And Vela's kind of banged up now. And Rossi hasn't yet hit his stride this season. I mean, I'm not worried about them on the whole. But I do wonder what the strategy is there, really, in terms of not having a real number nine. And maybe Rodriguez gets sold. Um, maybe he gets moved in the summer. And maybe they bring in a badass DP striker, right? And we can look back on this conversation and say, oh, well, that was kind of stupid of us to do. But until that happens, I think it's fair to question it. I like the rest of their roster a lot, right? But they are young and there are going to be growing pains that come with that. And I think we've seen some of those over the years. I think we're seeing some of them this year. Uh, So we'll see. I mean, I like their players, but... All right, here's one. If you're Thorrington, are you signing Checo right now on like a a, a TAM deal, low TAM? <sighs> I mean, do they even have space for a low TAM deal? I, I don't know. Probably not. He's 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 not he's not going to come. He's Is not he gonna available come cheap, for he that? Hasn't, he hasn't played for for a while. I mean, he can't. I was going to really say I, that much. I haven't followed what he's been up to. Like, was he good this year? Did he play? Is he fit? I don't even know how old he is. Um. He's old. He's 36, I think. He's 35. 35. He's going to be 30. Yeah, he's 35. He played. He scored seven goals for Roma this year in 26 appearances. He scored 16 goals last year for Roma. Apparently, he wants to come I to think, LA. I think I would save my, my pennies, and I would try and move Rodriguez and go get a DP striker at a better age instead. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I was the one. I think it was on this show. I was advocating for them to go sign Aguero. Yeah, well, that ain't happening. <laughs> Aguero, Aguero's heading to Barcelona. Yeah, Aguero's not coming to MLS. But that was that yeah. was part of the conceit, anyways. So yeah, it's all. It was all a bit, right, Paul? You were just whenever I get things wrong, it's a bit. I don't know if you know yeah, that yet. Exactly. I, th- I feel like and, you've known and when you and when you make four predictions in one. And then one of them hits, you say you're right, even though you made four picks no, for no. one thing. The best thing is when you when you pick Orlando City as a bit to win a tournament, and then they go to the final, and you're like, I, I, I called this all along, and the rest of you are idiots. <laughs> That's the best thing. <laughs> and then you get mad at me for not going out on limbs. Like when you know? Red Bull finishes second in the league, I'm never going to stop yeah. talking about it. Um, okay, you let me know. I eagerly await those those conversations of you talking about that endlessly. I'm, I'm very excited for those to happen. Don't think they will be. Um, we've talked a lot about teams. Let's transition a little into players. Uh, top earner in the league, Carlos Vela. Salary slightly over $6 million. Chicharito, his LA rival, Mexican national team, former national team, I guess, in the case of Vela. He's at $6 million. Then Gonzalo Higuain, Alejandro Pozuelo, who is who has not seen the field yet for Toronto FC this year. Joseph Martinez, fifth. Josie Altidore, sixth. Um, that's an eye-popping one. Rodolfo Pizarro, seventh. Maxi Morales, eight. Victor Wanyama, nine. And here's, I think, <laughs> two of my favorites, really. Frank O'Hara, 10. Jurgen Locadia. 11. Not so great on those last two, my man. Um, but what contracts stood out to you in a good way? What stood out to you in a bad way? You did a, you did a best, you did an all budget 11. So you're, you've done your homework on this one, Paul. Take me to school. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, when you look at the best contracts, they're going to be mostly homegrown players, right? Because the, these kids are coming in on, you know, very cap-friendly deals. They're not hitting the cap, so incredibly cap-friendly deals. And when they're productive, it stands out, and draft picks as well. So this year in my budget 11, we saw a lot of that. Dane St. Clair, draft pick, George Bellow, homegrown player on 139000 uh, James Sands, homegrown player on 200000 Hassani Dotson, draft pick on 81000 Busio. 127,000, a homegrown. Caden Clark, 100,000, a homegrown. Chris Mueller, 137, a draft pick. I keep going through this. Cade Cowell, 130, homegrown player. Daryl DK, 128. Uh, he was a draft pick. So the only two that were on this list that were not draft picks were Mbizo on 89,000 and your boy, your boy, New Hutolo, who came in at 169,000. So, uh, you know, two Cameroonian stars, defensive stars in MLS who are on really good deals. So th- those are the deals that really stood out to me that are the, the kind of area I look at for the budget 11 is 200,000 or less. I, I give give or take 5,000 or so to make the list. Um, those are the best deals for me under 200,000 in MLS. The, the bad deals, I look at Gonzalo Higuain, at $5.8 million, I, I just don't, I haven't seen it yet to, to me to, to convince me that he's worth that, that, uh, that amount of money. Um, and, and he's, I'm not saying he's a bad player again, but you need, to me, the key is you need your DPs to be the biggest difference makers on the field. And he's not fit. I mean, he's a good player. I mean, he's been a difference maker for them though. For like two games. He's scoring goals. For like two games. Yeah, he did two, nothing of like last five. Year. He's been. Don't forget, he played last year. No, he was bad last year. Don't get me wrong. Hundred percent. Does that not count? I mean, we're talking about this year. Are you going to say Chicharito's a terrible contract? No, he was a terrible contract last year, though. We definitely talked about okay. it last year. All right, so we talked about Iguain last year too. We're talking about this year now. I'm still not convinced. I still would not want that deal. <laughs> Fair enough. I think it's unfair to bring last year into this discussion. Apologize. <laughs> Apologize to Gonzalo Iguain. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening to this right now. Um, <laughs> I I agree with a lot of the names on your list. I think you're cheating and taking the easy way out by picking homegrowns and, and draft picks. I don't think it's fair what you're doing. You know, I, um, I did I did consider having one of those lists that didn't have homegrowns or draft picks, but it's just I, it's 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 disrespectful to the impact those players have had. And my honorable mentions, yeah. there are a lot more of the non non homegrowns and non draft picks. For sure. All right, well, let's get to some of those guys. Jimmy Mo- Jimmy Maurer, who, by the way, is I-, I think performing last year, started this year, one of the better goalkeepers in the league. Uh, he makes what like a hundred and eighty thousand dollars, one hundred sixty thousand dollars, one sixty. Yeah, you know that's that's nothing. Jared Stroud, is he the best player in the world? No, but he's a contributor. And a solid one at that, making the minimum eighty thousand dollars. Mark Anthony K, you know, two fifty. That's a steal for him and what he provides for LAFC. Eric Williamson, two thirty, right? Sort of a homegrown slash draft pick, but not really at this point. Uh, you mentioned Nuhu, Freddie Montero, make on the minimum for the Sounders. I would throw him in that list. Richie Larea for sure for Toronto on two twenty five. Uh, Christian Gutierrez. In Vancouver on one sixty seven, I think is is a is good value. And then if you want to go further up the list, right, in terms of numbers, 
but guys that are still, you know, you shouted out Ladero and Rui Diaz earlier as guys that are DPs, but still providing good value. Artur in Columbus, 530. Lewis Morgan in Miami, 550. Latif Blessing, 375. Uh, Randall Leal, 477. Joe Willis, another underrated goalkeeper. Matt Turner, both of those guys in the threes. Um, so there, there are a good number of guys that, you know, are providing really good value for their teams and maybe should get on the phone with their agents. Those agents should get on the phone with their, with their GMs and, and start asking for more money. <laughs> I always, I always feel good about the budget 11 when I go back and see the number of guys that got new deals and I'm like, all right, I picked them right because that's a good sign that they, uh, they actually were one of the best budget teams that they didn't last very long. <laughs> Mark Anthony K, by the way, is a two time MLS best budget 11. Yeah, got a you new shouldn't contract. be on that. You shouldn't be on that team multiple years. Yeah, he got a you new contract. Be. And then what happened? He, he's still making your, your list for, uh, for great contracts at 250,000. So, um, you know, but you know, I go back through my 2019 list. The last time I had this, Tyler Miller, new contract. Uh, James Sands is still on his homegrown deal, but he got a new deal, but he's only at 200,000 on the list again for the second time this time around. Miles only. Robinson, <laughs> new contract. Michael Murillo, transfer in a new contract. Mark Anthony K, new contract. Uh, Latif Blessing, new contract. Memo, Memo Rodriguez, new contract. Gressel, big new contract. And he was on the two time as well. Um, yeah, Chris Mueller, another two timer this year. Uh, He's due. Still on his rookie deal. I think that's the excuse. If you're on your rookie deal, it's hard to renegotiate. You don't have a ton of leverage. So I think that's, uh, I think if you're going to be a two time selection, you kind of need to be on that rookie contract, you know, um, or a homegrown for that yeah, matter. The Gressel route. So, the Gressel route. Yeah, exactly. And then you need a big bump once you get it, like Gressel did, for sure. Like Gressel did. Um, anyone else we're missing here, Paul? Anyone else you need to shout out? No, I'm glad you mentioned Matt Turner. I think goalkeeper is a really interesting one in the position to see where the spends are. I mean, if you're getting a, a, a top-end starter for less than 400000 I think you're doing a good job. The numbers have started to go up on some of these goalkeepers. that are kind of surprising to me. I mean, Gaius at 410000 I think, is an absolute steal. An absolute steal for me. Um, one Joe of the Willis, too. in the league. I mean, you know, it, it just goes to show. I mean, I, I think you can find value everywhere. You know, I mean... Gaiessa is making less money than Alex Bona, as an example. Um, Oof. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if there's you know too many other people, but I do think it is worth saying. You know, they might not be on the MLS budget eleven, but you can find some really good players in this league on 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 good numbers, and it, it, it's usually a sign of a good team when there are multiple guys in that range that you were just talking about, Sam, in that three hundred, four hundred. And even now, you know, 400 used to be a dead zone. It's not that way anymore with GAM, as much GAM that's coming to the league. You can buy more people down. Um, so now that you can say in that 400, 500 range, you can have good contracts. That didn't used to be the case in MLS. Paul, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back after and talk about Columbus and, and maybe some other U.S. national team, maybe some other stuff. But as my kind of parting shot here, I will leave you with this. The top 27 paid players in the league 27 for 27 teams in mls on this list there's one team with three players in the top 27 can you name that team paul i know you can you wrote this article with me it's fc cincinnati no bueno anyway we'll be back after the break 
This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We are back and so is the Columbus crew. Rest in peace, Columbus SC. We hardly knew you. I think you lived for about a week. Never won a game. Two matches. 0-2. Losses at Toronto and at New England. Cursed, cursed name. I weep for the triangle. It is also gone. Um, Anyone listening to the show probably already knows the news. On Monday, crew ownership, D. Haslam, J.W. Johnson, Dr. Pete Edwards met with, I believe, eight supporters, some fans from the supporters groups, some non-supporters group affiliated fans uh, at historic crew stadium and said, hey, sorry about that. We messed up. Uh, Our name is the crew again. And not just our name's the crew again. Our name is the Columbus Crew. No more SC, which was the previous thing. Um, They're still changing the logo, but it's not exactly what was rolled out initially in this rebrand process, although it is pretty damn similar. Uh, They're adding a 96 instead of that little weird triangle that no one could explain. (laughs) It had a good Twitter account, though, that little triangle. I'll miss it. (laughs) I mean, it was a goatee. It was like a, a nice... I feel like I'm I'm a little soul patch. Well, it was a soul patch. I mean, but it was off. It was off to the side a little bit, though. It was like a you know, it was like a goatee, but like all, but not a goatee. It was just like if you had the part of the goatee like directly under the corner of your lip, like that's what it would be. It's like an offset soul patch. Anyway, it's gone now, and the crew are back, and this whole thing was so stupid. It was so so so. So, so stupid. <laughs> I think that was enough so's. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's just like, uh, we talked about this a lot last week, but yeah, like, it's just what stands out to me. It's just like, you can't get out of your own way. And how could you not see it? It's coming? like, what are we doing and then here? They could see it coming because they were told what was coming and they did it anyway. And like, I'm glad that we got to the right place, but I just can't believe that we had to go through this again. And, I hope that maybe what's happened. I, I don't even want to say that people will have learned because this happened with the no, Chicago Fire. No one learns a in this year league. Ago. There's no one learns. No one learns. Rosters. No one learns. Why should anyone learn this way? No, they won't. We're gonna keep having. I mean, we, we're gonna keep having these names, right? I mean, STLCFC exists. Okay, like that. no, no, no. It's St. Louis City, all caps. City. For, I don't know why they're screaming "city" at us, but oh, yeah, they're, they're screaming. They're an at SC, it. not an FC, right? STLCSC. It's a six-letter acronym. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's easy sense. to chant. Slap that on a T-shirt. I'm into it. Like at least NYCFC rolls off the tongue a little, right? Like STLC. Like I can't even do it. STLCSC. There we go. Took me a second try. I had to take three breaths. It's like 18 syllables. But, uh, I mean, 
like you said it good for them for acknowledging the mistake and going back and fixing it to a degree but like what man i'm exasperated i can't even speak why do we have to be this dumb it's just i'm tired like again i'm gonna point i don't have much more to add to this sam i'm gonna point to the Brian Strauss column, because I think it nails it. The league is searching for validation. It's searching for some sort of authenticity by going completely non-authentic, right? It's it's trying to be European. It's trying to be single entity and normalized. All of the home shirts and the away shirts are basically black or white. All white jerseys are on every single team. You can't really tell the difference from one game to the next. And you and I would know we watch like eight games a weekend, well, you did last weekend. I will this year, this weekend. I hope you don't watch that many games this weekend, Sam. But, you know. I watch that, mon- that many games every weekend, Paul. I, I hope you don't okay. this weekend is what I just said. That's all I'm saying. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I just think that the league has to start to understand that some of the American character of this league is valuable. It matters. It's what it, makes this league is, this league, man. It is authentic. Authenticity is like, it's 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 earned over time. It, it's there from existing. That's why the Sounders resonate. That's why the Timbers resonate. Even Orlando City, like that was it's, Orlando City is like a very Europeanized name, but like they've existed. Their culture would goes back to the lower divisions. Like it's yeah. something real. If you change never... if you change them to the Orlando Lions now, people would be in an uproar about that right. because the culture is what's gone. That's right. what you're erasing, right? So if you start as something cool. And then if you build a history of something, cool. It might be a ridiculous name, like STLCSC, for instance, right? But it's something that's yours, and it was yours from the start. And if you go and erase the history, that's where you get messy. And that's what they were trying trying to do with the crew. Or maybe not trying to, but that's what they were doing with this crew rebrand. And I don't know. It sucks that they even went down the road, man. But we've we've spoken a lot about that one. <laughs> It's just like, how many millions of dollars do you think Columbus and Chicago spent on these two rebrands that never even got off the ground? Yeah, should we factor that into their to their budget spend? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I just don't get it. And like, I'll, I'll shut up after this, I swear. But what do they even think this is going to achieve? Like, that's the thing. You think anyone's going to root for you because your name's Chicago Fire FC instead of Chicago Fire and you changed the logo? You think anyone new is going to root for you because you're cha- you changed your name from Columbus Crew SC to Columbus SC and you changed the logo? That's not getting you any new fans. Like, that's not like, oh, you know, I was on the fence, but now that they have this little triangle in the logo, I'm in. Sign me up for season tickets. I'm coming on down. No, it's not going to get you anything. Put a good product on the field. Facilitate a good atmosphere in the stands. That's what gets you new fans. It's an easy concept. It's hard to deliver, but it's an easy concept, and people like to overcomplicate it. Yeah, I got nothing more to add on that one, Sam. That's it? You ain't got nothing for me, son? I got nothing left. <laughs> I'm, al- I'm almost right. out of gas. All right. Well, let's get you out of here. You want to you wanna just run down the national team? There was a roster that was named today. There were some important names not on it. They will be playing in the Champions League final, so they won't be there. A few others injured. Uh, friendly against Switzerland on May 30th. Do I have that right? Ahead of the Nations League semifinal against Honduras a few days later. And then against the winner of Mexico 
and Costa Rica potentially in the final or in a third place game. Um, and then another friendly is it against Costa Rica after that, right? So um, explain the whole sequence, explain the cadence for us, Paul, and any roster notes that you want to hit on before we check out for the evening. Yeah, I mean, so it's a pretty simple explanation. They're trying to recreate the cadence of the games in September, October, and January in World Cup qualifying. Because of COVID, there are multiple triple qualification windows. They're only playing two games, I believe, in November and in March. Um, but they have triple windows that they're going to have to play through. I'll have to double-check November. That might be a triple window as well. But essentially, Greg Berhalter wants to give his team a chance to prepare for that. And so they're playing a game in Europe on the weekend, just like they would with their club teams in the fall, and then getting on a flight, flying to the United States, and playing a game several days later, you know, three days later, essentially, at altitude against Honduras in a game that matters. After that, they'll play a second game three days after that, just like they will in qualifying. And then that friendly against Costa Rica is meant to represent that third World Cup qualifier uh, where there's going to have to be squad rotation, right? So it's a really good test to prepare for World Cup qualifying, uh, to prepare for squad rotation and those types of things that are going to be necessary. Uh, but this roster is unique, Sam, like you said. It's not the Nations League roster. Um, you know, there are players missing from the Switzerland roster that will be a part of the Nations League roster. There are, you know, still some changes that could happen to this friendly roster because there are players who are involved in promotion and relegation battles in Europe. And so, you know, I, I would say take a look at this. You're, you're getting a good idea of the Nations League roster with, with what we see here against Switzerland, but there are going to be some differences by the time we get to Denver. Give me three names that stuck out to you one way or another, or omissions you yeah. could include in that group too. I think one name that stands out just as kind of an example of the way Greg Berhalter has been running the program since he arrived is Justin Che. Uh, 17 years old. He's he's an FC Dallas homegrown. He's over with Bayern Munich right now. Sam, we reported in a notebook with Jeff Reuter that Bayern Munich is now in discussions to uh, purchase Justin Che on a permanent transfer in the summer. Um, he also is a dual citizen. Um, and so Greg Berhalter with dual citizens has a kind of a trend of uh, bringing them in, showing them the culture, giving them a chance to to get a feel for what they do and say, hey, we're interested. We want you to know we're interested. We're not putting any pressure, but let, let's watch what we do. So he, he stands che, out. a little different than the other dual citizens that that's been the case with. He was born and raised in Texas. You know, he's got, uh, I believe his mom, he's got German citizenship through his mom. Um, so not quite a Sergio Dest type or a Eunice Musa type of situation, but one more akin to Efra Alvarez, right? So. Yeah. Exactly right. And, and then also, a tough also, national team to break I think he's a Germany. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if there's any guarantees he's going to the German national team. But but, but it's it's still just kind of an example of that. A young player who, who he's bringing into camp, he's going to give him a look. He's the fifth center back on this roster. He's probably not going to play. He's going to get a chance to train, get a feel for how the senior national team works, get a feel for the culture on the club. But that's a position of, I think, where, where the depth starts to get thinner. We're seeing it right now, right? Aaron Long is out with an Achilles injury. Chris Richards is out with a hamstring injury. And so you probably have Matt Miazga starting at center back. Mark McKenzie looking to get some minutes um, to, to try to get battle tested before the World Cup qualifiers. And then behind him, you know, there, there are questions. And so you want to start adding more options. Uh, some other names that stand out to me from this roster, uh, I would say... Um, Matthew Hoppy. first time we're going to see him in national team camp. I'm interested to see how Greg Berhalter uses him. Um, you know, he scored some goals for Schalke, then he went a long time without goals 
then had a couple towards the end of the season. So it'll be good to see him in camp. He definitely stands out. And, you know, one name that's that's a familiar one that's here um, that I'm interested to see is Tim Weah. Um, you know, a lot of hype around Tim Weah when he first broke into the national team. He's had more injury issues. This year he's played for a team in Lille who was fighting for a, a league title. And I, I'm yeah. interested to see what kind of impact he can have. He's a different type of winger than what Greg Berhalter typically likes to use. He's very vertical. Um, he's not the Gio Reyna type to come inside and combine. But I, I think that, you know, this is going to be our first chance to get a, a real look at Tim Weah on the field under Greg Berhalter. Yeah, I agree with all those shouts. A couple others that I'll throw in. Julian Green, who potentially won't be there, depending on how playoffs go in the second Bundesliga. Um, but... Might he the last player to score score a goal for the U.S. in a World Cup? <laughs> um, by the way, <laughs> um, kind of a weird sentence, weird thing to think about, you know. But he's performed well, and he might help his team earn promotion uh, here to the Bundesliga pretty soon. Might he work his way back into the mix potentially? Um, that's what I'm keeping an eye on. And then DeAndre Yedlin, first call up, I think since November of 19. Can he work his way back into the rotation and right back? Um, as a different kind of option than Reggie Cannon or Brian Reynolds or even Serginho Dest if he ends up over there. Um, so those are two that I'm looking at. And Jordan Sibichu as well. Um, you know, he might end up being the only number nine for the Switzerland game, depending on how things go with Barnsley and Daryl DK and Werder Bremen and Josh Sargent. So, um, you know, he could be playing a full 90. <laughs> so that that's one to keep an eye on too. Um, so that's what I'm looking for. It'll be an interesting summer really for us soccer lots of action on the docket anyway i think that's it for our show thanks so much for listening i'm sam he's paul this has been allocation disorder